Thank you, girls. That is not easy to do. If you think it is, we'll let you sing next Sunday. Turn to your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. First book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 7. One other prayer request I want to add. I didn't mention this to Pastor Rice. I want us to pray for Debbie Black. Debbie Black is the wife of Evangelist Rod Black. And, and, and she is basically near death. She is on hospice. They're trying to keep her at home. Her husband's trying to take care of her. She's been sick for a number of years, but she's just gotten worse the last month. So basically, they, humanly speaking, they've given her up to pass. So I have to be good to pray for him. I can only imagine what that's like. So pray for Rod and for his wife, and he's a full-time evangelist. <clears throat> he lives in the Ravenna area. Now, this morning, I want to continue my series on, on prayer. And today, I want to talk about this, conditions to answered prayer. Conditions to answered prayer. Now, <clears throat> if you would look in the Old Testament, not right now. You would find many times God would tell the nation of Israel, if you do this, then I'll do this. We might call that the if-then clause. And God basically said, in my terms, my words, you do what's right, I'll bless you. You don't, I won't. And it's if, meaning the condition is upon them to decide whether they're going to do it or not. But if you do this, God said, I'm going to do this. Just like you and your kids, if... You clean up your room, empty the trash, you don't complain. Then I'll take you to McDonald's, which I'm not sure that's a good thing anymore. <clears throat> but anyway, sorry, McDonald's. If then, so I think also there are conditions to answered prayer. I don't know where we get the idea it's not from the Bible. <clears throat> that you just say what you want, pray what you want, and God just kind of to your beck and call. He's not your husband or your wife. He's God. He doesn't have to lift, if I can say this, he didn't have to lift his finger. Now, there are conditions to answered prayer. Now, all of us want answered prayer. Nobody wants unanswered prayers. I preached on that. That's a bummer. But there are conditions to answered prayer. So I want to talk about that this morning to help us, all of us, to be more effective and to get our prayers answered. Because if you meet the conditions, God will answer it's not rocket science. <clears throat> and so Matthew 7 and verses 7 and 8. If you will, and I'll turn to several other passages, but we're going to start in Matthew 7. <clears throat> I would remind you, if I could, that this is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He is on the mountain and preaching to the people. And he says in chapter 7 and verse 7, Jesus talking if you have a red letter in Bible, it should be red. Just to remind us, he's actually talking these words. So Jesus, of course, is God. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Isn't the Bible hard to understand? Not really. <clears throat> Conditions to answered prayer. Did you ever ask for something and not get it? We're talking about prayer. We all have. Did you pray and not receive an answer? <clears throat> in this promise here in Matthew 7, 8, Jesus said, If we ask, 
we shall receive. If we seek, we shall find the ones that seek. And if we knock, it shall be opened. Many have said, why do not always receive an answer to prayer? I say, join the crowd. But there are ways to get an answer, so I want to share these with you, a few of these this morning for our thoughts to help us to be have, have a more effective prayer life. The first thing I think we need to think about, and these are all from the scriptures, I'll give you scriptures for these. The first thing as a condition to answer in prayer is to clear the way. Clear the way. See, what do you mean by that? I want to explain it to you. Psalm 66, verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Didn't say cannot, he says he will not. If I regard iniquity in my heart, so if I tolerate sin in my life, I cannot expect to get an answer to your prayer. Some, or Isaiah 59 verse 1 says, The Lord's hand is not shown that he cannot save, neither his ear heavy that he cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God. <clears throat> and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So we've got to clear the way of sin. The Bible makes it very clear that God can hear prayer. He's not deaf, and I say that kindly. We think he is, and we may have even said, God, are you, are you listening to me? Do you hear me? It's almost like God says, yes, dummy, I can hear you. <laughs> he wouldn't say dummy, I would. <clears throat> but if we tolerate sin in our life, he's not going to hear us. So if we're to receive an answer to prayer, we must meet the requirements to lay down from Scripture. How about <clears throat> take advantage of 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there is a way to take care of that problem. God didn't say, figure it out on your own. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for our sins. We know that. But he died to save us for our sins. He also died to forgive us of sins after we have been saved. First John 1, 9 just quoted it. So once you cleared the way by receiving forgiveness and cleansing from sin, every known sin, then you can pray with faith and confidence. <clears throat> By the way, sometimes we do commit sins and we don't realize it. The Bible uses the word unwittingly, or you're not really consciously. I think that's probably the minority. <clears throat> Most of us, we know, we know we do it. If you have the Holy Spirit, when you do it, the Holy Spirit says, you shouldn't have done that. Not audibly, but you feel like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> By the way, that's good evidence you're saved. Because the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. If it doesn't bother you, if it doesn't bother you, interesting. So first thing, I think the condition, if we clear the way, that's one of the ways we get our prayers answered. Another thing is a righteous life. A righteous life. We're talking about God's people now. We don't expect those who don't know Him as Savior to live a righteous life. In James 5.16, the Bible says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. He didn't say sinless. He said righteous man availeth much. 
So that prayer must be made by a righteous man. And ladies, you're included, mankind. Men laid, same thing. 1 Peter 3.12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. I've had people say to me through the years, Well, God answered my prayer, and they're not even saved. Now, it may be coincidence. He's not going to answer the prayer except for the prayer of salvation, trust in the Savior. But they swear up and down. I've had the experience. Oh, God answered my prayer. And, you know, what do you say to somebody like that? You have to be kind. Ask the Lord to help you know what to say. Pray and say, God, what do I say to this person? Maybe the thing you need to say is keep your mouth shut. Say nothing. Next. Third, if we're to expect an answer to our prayers and condition, the third one I think would be an obedient Christian. An obedient Christian. 1 John 3.22 says this, And whatsoever you ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments. Now he's not referring to the ten because nobody can keep them all. That's why Jesus died. The law was given that we would see that we are sinners. What are his commandments? What about John 14, 15, where Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments? Again, he wasn't talking about the ten. He was talking about what this Bible's full of things we're supposed to do. If you ask me, they're all commandments. They're not suggestions, by the way, they're commandments. I mean, God commandeth men everywhere now to repent. So it's God's, that's part of God's plan. Repent, trust him as Savior, or repent of your sin. That, that verse in 1 John 3, whatsoever, is a big word. The Bible says, whatsoever we ask, we will receive. Every child of Christmas knows that verse. <clears throat> Why? Because we keep his commandments, and, do, and it goes on to say, and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Ooh, that's where the rub comes on. We do the things that are pleasing in his sight. How many things do we do that aren't pleasing in his sight? That doesn't mean they're overt or they're super wicked or perverted, but we really do things that are pleasing in his sight. That's part of his commandments. If you seek to please man, number one, you're going to, be, you're going to go crazy. Now, I'm not saying to be rude, but you better worry about pleasing him. And then if people like it, fine. If they don't, in two words, my words, tough luck. I'm not worried about, what, I wonder what God thinks, because i got to answer to him. We must, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things done in our body, whether they be good or bad. And so we need to worry about, worries maybe not, yeah, we need to be concerned about pleasing him. And part of that is the answer to our prayer. Obedience is a prerequisite, I believe, to answered prayer. Learn to do everything he says. When you read your Bible and the Holy Spirit says, stop doing that, you say, instead of looking around, you say, okay, I'm going to stop it, Lord. Or he says, start doing this. Or change this. Or maybe you need to have an attitude check. The Lord will say, oh, you need an attitude check? Get rid of that B.A., not Bachelor of Arts, bad attitude. Get rid of it. If anybody had a right to have a bad attitude, it would be Jesus, wouldn't it? Think about his life. If anybody could claim, well, I have a right to have a bad attitude, really? I don't think so. 
Now, you might have a bad day, which lends itself to making you have a bad attitude, but don't let it last. Learn to keep his commandments. Learn to be an obedient Christian and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Not only what he commands in the Bible, but the Bible says in John, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. God may lead you to do something. You're not leading me to do. Maybe it's to talk to Joe at work. If your name's Joe, don't take offense to that. Maybe God said, go over and talk to Joe. He needs to be saved. Or pray for Mary, or whatever it might be. The Bible says in James 2 that if we, therefore to him to know what to do good and do with it not, to him it is sin. Not everybody and his brother to that person. That's part of doing those things that are pleasing in his sight. Maybe to help us understand that better, we need to think, all of us who claim to know Christ as Savior, we need to think, will this thing please the Lord? Do you know what? That'll cut out a bunch of junk. Will this really glorify the Lord? Will it please him? Will it be pleasing in his sight? If we honestly ask ourselves that question, many times we already know the answer. And many times, not always, the answer is no. So then you don't do it. Then you're doing those things that are pleasing in his sight. Then when you pray, you can have confidence. Know what I mean? I don't think I can say that again. We must live the righteous life now. I don't think he's talking about becoming a Pharisee. May God deliver us from being a Pharisee. If you read the New Testament, the Pharisees were a religious group, and I always call them gas bags because they have a lot of hot air, and they talk and talk and talk. And Jesus even said better than me when he said, with your lips you honor me, but with your heart is far from me. And he even said a few other things it's a little stronger than that. So just because somebody says the words don't mean anything, how's our heart? So live the righteous life and be obedient. Fourth, we need to abide in Christ. We're talking about conditions to answer prayer. We meet these conditions. John fifteen seven. Jesus talking again said this, if, there's that if again, if ye abide in me, he didn't say if you know me as your Savior. I'm going to explain, explain what abiding, abiding means. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. That's not the end of the verse. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Wow, what a verse. What a promise. <clears throat> but there's a condition. The first part says, if we abide in him. To me, that says some people do and some people don't abide in him. And it also says his words abide in us. By the way, <clears throat> his words cannot abide in you if you're not reading it. How can you know his words if you don't read it? And abide in it, live in it, practice it. So what does it really mean to abide in Christ? The picture in John 15 is that of a branch abiding in the vine. To abide in the vine doesn't necessarily mean to stay connected to it. Connection to the branch has nothing to do with abiding. The result of not abiding is the withering of the branch so that it doesn't bear fruit. Why does a branch not bear fruit? Why does it wither? Because the life of the vine does not flow into it. The branch is to receive from the vine. 
The branch doesn't reach down to the earth for the moisture and the fertilizer and all the things that it needs. The roots of the vine reach out and pull in those things, and it goes through the vine now to the branches, so the branches bear fruit. That's our farming lesson for today. The branch that is abiding in the vine is simply yielding or opening and allowing the life of the vine to express itself through it. So abiding in Christ, what does that mean? It means that we should yield, we surrender, we allow Christ to express himself through us and live out his life through us. The Christian life is not so much an imitation of, of Christ. I mean, you see people walking around who actually act like Christ, like he literally would. I mean, we're supposed to be like him, and we're supposed to be Christians, an example to the world, but abiding in him is him living through you. You can't do it by yourself. I've tried it a couple times. I get tired and it don't work. In plain English, you can't live the Christian life. None of us can. He lives it through you. The vine, the branch, the same thing. It's, through, it's all his power. It's all his ability. It's all from him. None of it's from us other than just receiving. It's that simple. So we need to abide in Christ. I'm afraid that many Christians are not abiding in him. Oh, they're saved. They claim they're saved. They're a branch, but they're not abiding in him. It's not hard to understand. That is a condition for entry to prayer. Are you abiding in him? It's a convicting thought, isn't it? And people who don't understand what I just said will look at us, you and me, and say, well, that guy's a Christian, that lady's a Christian, by the way they act or the way they don't act, which is okay. If we're to expect an answer to prayer, we need to abide in Christ, yield to him, allowing him to control every part of our being. I think that's what Paul meant, excuse me, what part of what Paul meant when he said, I die daily. Obviously, common sense tells us he didn't die physically. He could not continue his ministry. What did he mean? He died to himself, to what he wanted to do, what he think, what he wanted to say. You ever want to say something to somebody? You have to, my mom would say, bite your tongue. Sometimes the Holy Spirit says, bite your tongue. Sometimes the Holy Spirit says, open your mouth. How do you know the difference? By him abiding in you, you abiding in him, letting him lead you and guide you, you'll know what it, and what do you say? He'll lead you. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, that's abiding in him. That's a condition of answered prayer. So if you're not abiding in him, don't expect your prayers to be answered. I'm not, I'm giving you what the Bible says here. There's something else we need to do, another condition, I think, that is have faith, which is pretty much basic, but... How about this verse in Mark chapter 9 and verse 23? Here's another great promise. Mark 9, 23, Jesus is talking once again. And he says, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Boy, that's a challenging and promising verse. Huh? It, if, the if is not, it's not God's ability, it's if it's you. You can believe. All things are possible. We must expect, expect an answer. <clears throat> James chapter 1 and verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be 
be, be given unto you. But the qualities, but he qualifies it by saying, let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed to and fro. For let, let not that man think he shall receive anything from the Lord. Yeah, do you really believe God can do that? Mm. When we pray, do we really believe God can do stuff? Now, you don't need to raise your hand or smile or make any faces at me. Because we've all done it. Not on purpose. And the fault is all ours, not God's. Once again, it says, if man, mankind, us, do we really believe God can do it? Oh, <clears throat> that person's too hard, too cold, too mean, too whatever. Really? Is that God's assessment or yours? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I think I heard a message on that a couple weeks ago. It's too hard for us. Why do you think we pray? Because it's too hard for us. Whatever it is. That just makes common sense. <clears throat> so, if we're going to receive an answer to prayer, we must believe, we must expect. Expect that God's going to do something. Now, this man, I don't know if he was spiritual or not, but Henry Ford, you know the guy that made the Ford cars? I don't think it means fixed or repaired daily. Thank you for the two that left. <clears throat> Henry Ford said, if you think you can, you're right. I guess Henry, he's a pretty smart man, huh? If you think you can't, you're right again. Meaning you won't be able to do it. Now the Bible says it this way. Let's go back to the scriptures. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Oh, I don't really believe God could do that. Then don't waste God's time and your time and pray about it if you don't really believe it. <clears throat> and we've all been guilty of that. We're like the man in the New Testament said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. We're maybe 75% sometimes. One cannot expect an answer to prayer without believing. Hebrews eleven six. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When we pray, aren't we seeking him? Of course. Believe and receive. I'm not saying that's the only condition to answer to prayer. I think we have to have all these together to some point. We certainly prayed at times, all of us, when our faith was weak. But the very fact that we praise indicate that we're looking to God for help. By the way, don't wait till the last nth degree and then pray. That's what many of us do. should be the first thing in our mind. When all else fails, I'm going to pray. Wrong. Pray first. Don't wait till... But we do, don't we? Oh, I can't figure this out. I can't work it out. It's going on and on. I guess I better start praying about it. And we have all the agony, grief, heartache, sleepless nights. <clears throat> the old song, Oh, what grief we forfeit. All what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Even though that's not a verse of the scripture, it lines up with the scripture. Our faith is not always as strong as it should be. Let's be honest about it. By the way, do you think God knows that? 
That's not to excuse our lack of faith, but I'm saying, thank God's aware of that. We're frail human beings. We're not as great as people think they are. Some people think they're God's gift to the world. Do you know any people like that? I do. Man, get back from me. You're not God's gift to the world, but they think they are. And even sometimes Christians think that way. You know what? Let me say this kindly. I don't know if you can say it kindly. We are nothing but dirt. I don't care how good Joe Packley works on you. Oh, doesn't he look nice? I always want to say, yeah, for a dead guy, I guess he looks all right. <laughs> I've been to a couple, though, when the guy didn't look so good. I just keep my mouth shut. I had a, I had a funeral once for this lady. She was, uh, uh, maybe I shouldn't say that. Anyway, she was stuffed into the casket. I mean, it was disgusting. I'm thinking, and it was brought to my attention. I just smiled. <clears throat> so Joe Packley may not always be a miracle worker. He's a good guy, but he's not a miracle worker. Joe, if you're listening, you know that's true. One of their guys at the funeral was listening to me preach on Sunday. He said, uh, Pastor Jacobs, I listened to you preach on Sunday while I'm at work. I said, good, so maybe they're listening. Who knows? <clears throat> they're our friends and they're good people. Faith is a condition to answer prayer. Remember he said, if thou canst believe. That's the first part, the if. Then all things are possible to him that believeth. <clears throat> you may remember a man from history called Napoleon Bonaparte. He, the guy always says, he, he was like five foot six. He, our psychologist would tell us he had the short man syndrome because he was so short. Why he had his hand in his, I don't know, maybe his hands were cold. I've heard some other reasons, but I'm not going to share them publicly in church. <clears throat> one day, one of Napoleon's soldiers came to him with this huge request. And so he made his request to Napoleon, and all the other soldiers said, You're foolish. You're wasting your time. The great Napoleon, he's not going to do what you want. And guess what? <clears throat> to their surprise, Napoleon did what, they, what this guy asked. And then Napoleon's verbal response was this. Obviously, I wasn't there, and neither were you, so I had to read this. Napoleon said to the soldier, You have honored me by the magnitude of your request. Now, I wonder if God's honored by the magnitude of our request to him. Because what we're saying is, God, I, I don't know how to handle it. I don't know what to do. I know it's a really big deal, but can you please help me? We honor God by the magnitude of our request. You cannot ask too much from him. Now let's go on to another condition that ties in with this one. And that is the right motives. James chapter 4 and verse 3 says, You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust." So you want something for a selfish purpose or selfish motive. That's the wrong reason. That ties in with the one we just said. The verse said, if you ask what you will, it should be done unto you. What a promise. But we need to continue on all these conditions and put them into play. When we pray, we need to have the right motive. God, I wish you'd just kill that guy over there. He's a piece of problem. Really? What if he's not saved? Wouldn't you feel awful? 
God, I want this. I'd like to have this. Give me this. Now, I, what we need to be careful of is you can't look at other people's motives. And depending on your situation, the preacher's always in a bad spot. It's an occupational hazard. I'm amazed that people know what I'm thinking. I don't even know myself. Oh, I know what you're thinking. You do. I know why you're thinking that, preacher. I just smile at him. You don't know what I'm thinking. It's an occupational hazard. And by the way, you and I, and I include myself, are not smart enough to always know what somebody else's motives are. By the way, isn't it a full-time job to keep our own motives right? Why worry about somebody else's? Do you think God can take care of them? Maybe you're insightful and you do have, and somebody does have the wrong motives. Being a pastor, it is an occupational hazard. I've seen some people, they did have a bad motive. But you know what? That's, that's their problem and God can straighten them out. The, we're talking about conditions to answer in prayer. You have to be sure that your motives are right in asking this. Whatever it might be. And then he said, remember he said, that you may consume it upon your lust. Well, I'd like to have this. Lord, I'd like to have a new house. I need a house for my family. Not a bad prayer. But you don't need to live in, live in Beverly Hills, I don't think. You follow me? There's nothing wrong with having a house and having a nice house, a nice car, and all those things. God may say, okay, I'll give you one. But they'll be going up to you and say, look, I live, I live in Rodea Drive, Beverly Hills. Well, you can't live in Rodea Drive. I think that's a street with businesses on it. Several years ago, my wife went to California. Went to California. My sister lived out there. And we went to the tour. We, we took a self-guided tour of all the stars. Oh, that's where Chevy Chase lives. Good for Chevy. Big whoop. I didn't see him, by the way. We looked at all these houses and thought, man. And then you see it on TV where so-and-so's got a house, $18 million. Can you imagine what the house payment would be on that if you're making payments? It's not that they can't have that. My point is, <clears throat> as James said, you ask, the reason why you don't get an answer, because you're asking so you can consume it upon your lust to make yourself look big good or have stuff that you really don't need. Now we have a right to expect an answer to our prayer, yet we don't demand from God. <clears throat> there is a group around today that says, you tell God what you want, you, almost demandingly. Prayer is asking at the simplest form. It's not demanding. So you keep that in mind. And if the answer doesn't come, just believe it wasn't God's will that God knew best because, because we must also pray. <clears throat> pray also the next edition, according to the will of God. These, these last three tied together. I shouldn't say these last three because I can go on, I think, for another hour, but I'm not. I am starting to get hungry. <clears throat> I must be getting better. Before, I couldn't even feel hunger. 1 John 5.14 says, And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything, here's the trick, the trick you, according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth, verse 15, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. If we ask anything according to his will, the will of God the will of God is, a, is not always black and white. Now, there are some verses you can turn to in the Bible and say, well, okay, that's not God's will. I don't need to pray about that. Or this is God's will. Some things about God's will <clears throat> are elusive to us at the time. That's why I have to trust him. 
Are your children ever asking for something? And you said, I'm not going to give you that. Because you know it's bad for them. Or they don't need it or whatever. Do you think our Heavenly Father's any different? Now, when you said no to your kids, they say, I hate you. You ever hear that one? You don't like me. You're not fair. You like my brother better than me or whatever it is. And the parents being older and wiser are thinking, I'm doing this for your own good. And they're thinking, I know what I'm talking about. You don't. This will not be good for you. You ain't going to get it. You can explain to them all you want. It's like talking to that wall. When they get older, they'll figure it out. Remember that verse says to train up a child in the way he should go? And when he is old, he will not depart. So when you get older, smarter, later, the problem is you get old too fast, smart too late. But he'll remember that thing. I guess my mom and dad was right. They weren't so stupid after all. Matter of fact, they weren't stupid at all. They knew what they were talking about. Our Heavenly Father, the Bible says, knows our needs before we ask. Either that's true or it's not. Sometimes he says, I don't think I better do that one. That's not good for you. It'll be a problem for you. According to the will of God, that's a hard one, isn't it? How could we be sure that we're praying in the will of God? One way is to be led by the Spirit. Again, it goes back to our other points. The Bible says the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. And the Bible goes on to say there in Romans that sometimes the Holy Spirit, and I'm paraphrasing, he makes, he reveals to God what we're praying in our heart. He knows what's in our heart. We can't get the words out. Have you ever been there? You're praying, you can't get the words out, but God knows what you're thinking. And the Holy Spirit will help in that matter. Did you ever have an intense desire to pray for something? We all have. You felt strongly, I should pray for this thing. That might be the Holy Spirit leading you. It was God's will for you to have the thing he was leading you to pray about. It's good to pray. Lord, if it's not your will, then withhold it. Now, we don't like to pray that prayer. Because when we pray, we want it. Sometimes we say, Lord, according to your will. Do you remember a fellow in the Bible called Jesus our Savior? Who prayed in the garden, not Eden, Gethsemane. And he had prayed, he was praying to God. And he said, I wish, and I'm paraphrasing, I wish his cup would pass for me, meaning the cup that he was going to face, meaning death. It was a symbolic thing of death, bleeding, crucifixion, the whole nine yards. What did he say at the end? Not my will, but thine be done. Now we read that and we think, oh, that's nice. It is nice, but can you imagine being the person experiencing it? It's easy to always talk about somebody else, think about someone else, but he was experiencing that. He knew, being God, he knew what was going to happen. Maybe that's why the human part said, oh, I don't think I want to do this. But came to the conclusion, God, if that's what you want, that's what I'm going to do. <clears throat> Our problem is we pray, and if God says no, or if it's not God's will, we get mad. Sometimes. Another thing we need to think about condition, I think, of, of condition of answered prayer is not giving up. In Matthew 7, verse 7, we read it. Jesus said, Ask it, it shall be given you. And verse 8 says, For everyone that asketh receiveth, 
ask there, I think, is in the continual sense. Meaning not just ask once. You keep asking. It's like your kids asking you for stuff. What kid? No offense to you guys. What kids ask your mom once? Your mom says, no, they, they give up. Not in every case, but sometimes they wear you down and break you down. Where you say, I'm tired of hearing them. Obviously, they give them to shut them up. Is that sometimes true? Yes. So ask is in the continual sense. I think he would, we could amplify that a little and say, if you keep on asking, you're receiving. And he who keeps on seeking finds, and he who keeps on knocking, the door will be opened. Do you remember a fellow in the Bible called Paul? Or Saul of Tarsus? He had a problem. And the Bible records that he prayed about it three genuine, sincere times. And I don't know what he prayed, but I guess something maybe like this. Now, God, I got this problem. It's a thorn in my flesh. And you know, if somehow you'd get rid of this, I could serve you better. God said, no. So he tried again. Now, God, I got this problem still. I could serve you so much better if you just take it away from me. I know you can. God, do it. God said, no. Ain't going to do it. So he tried again the third time. <clears throat> God, I've got this problem, and I really think if you would help me and remove this physical problem, whatever it was, that's not the issue right now. You're going to ruin my sermon? It was a thorn in the flesh, a problem that he had, a physical problem. And he said, God, please take it away. And God said, no. And by the way, let me throw this in because it's not just pray three times. In my opinion, I've said this before, but I'll say it for you who didn't hear it. I think he was three really heartfelt, long, sincere times. I think it's common sense. Do you think he just prayed about it? The Apostle Paul prayed three times and quit? I don't think so. I think he'd been praying about it all along. But three real times he really dedicated himself to pray about this matter. I want us to understand this this morning. What happened was, the third time God said no, but God added something to the answer to his prayer. God, would you please take this thorn in the flesh away? No, but I'll give you the grace to get through it. So what happened was God changed Paul's prayer. Are you listening? And God may change your prayer. You keep praying and praying, nothing happens. or God may say, my grace will be sufficient to your need, or he'll give you something else. He may change your prayer. What did Paul pray after God said it to him? I don't like this verse because it's, it's convicting to us, to me. Paul said, most gladly, therefore, will I rejoice in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't glory in infirmities, weakness, and problems. Now, maybe you're more spiritual than me. <clears throat> and I'm not sure Paul did either, but you see, God changed his prayer, and he, wasn't, he didn't pray anymore, God, take it away. He accepted God's grace to get through it, and he changed his prayer to say, you know what? God is going to be glorified through this, so the power of Christ is going to rest on me. I'm going to let her go. L-I-G, let it go. Why do you think that's in the Bible? You and I know different than Paul in the sense of, yes, I know he was a great preacher and missionary, but you may pray and pray and pray. You may give up. I encourage you to pray more than three times. Maybe God, maybe God is testing you to see if you mean business. Now, God knows if you mean business, but maybe you don't. 
Well, I've prayed about this for two weeks. In my words, big whoop. I would only refer to my own experience. There's a lot of things I've been praying about for years that haven't happened yet. So what do you do? Keep praying until God changes your prayer or tells you whatever, something else. He did that to, to Paul. So don't give up in prayer. <clears throat> so many times Christians give up. Why? In plain, simple English, and this is not spiritual. You got nothing to lose. You keep praying, God answers, you're all set. <clears throat> Another condition is no idols can be in your heart. You say, but I'm safe, Christ is in my heart. Yeah, but sometimes we put idols in there. What is an idol? It's something before the real and true and living God. We think of another definition, understanding of idols. Anything you put before him. Remember the Ten Commandments, thou shalt have no other God before me. Your God could be your $18 million house. And if you have an $18 million house, I want to talk to you at the front after church. We'll see if you can sell it, get your $5 million one and do something most of the money. Don't give up on prayer. Oh, that guy, I'm praying for him to be saved, but he's getting worse. Don't give up. Is God still alive? Of course. Is the Bible still true? Yes. Does Jesus still save? Then don't give up. Whatever it is. <clears throat> Idols. In Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse 3, God speaks of people and said, These people set up idols in their heart. And God says, God asks, I should say, ask this question. Ezekiel 14, verse 3. Shall they even pray to me at all? In other words, why bother? Why waste God's time? If you've got idols in your heart, you're putting something else before him. You're breaking one of the ten, the big ones, the big ten. No, the gods before me. <clears throat> what could they be? could be your car, your house. could be your bank account. It could be any number of things. Anything that comes before the real and true living God is an idol. It's that simple. If you have idols in your heart, don't bother praying. God said, why should these people even pray to me at all? Ezekiel 14.3. Here's another one quickly. And there may be more, but I also can tell time. Plus, after, th after 30 minutes, your seed of understanding gets kind of numb, huh? In America, it's time for a commercial, right? First Peter 3, 7 says, Likewise, <clears throat> ye husbands. So if you're married today, listen up. Or if you want to be married someday, listen up. It's not talking to the wives. And I see a few husbands, and I include myself. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them. That means the wife. According to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife. This is the part the women's livers don't like. As unto the weaker vessel. Now, not every woman can play football. I know they're trying to integrate them, but you know what? I often say, what happens in the locker room after the game? You take showers and all kinds of stuff? I mean, it's, that's got nothing to do with prayer. That's stupidity there. <clears throat> it says, as being heirs together of the grace of life, meaning a husband and wife have children. Not two guys, not two girls. A husband and wife have children. They're heirs together of the grace of life, this is the part that's convicting. 
that your prayers, the husband's prayers, be not hindered. So if you're arguing, yelling, fighting with the wife all the time, now, if you're married, there's going to be disagreements. <clears throat> and you're going to argue. I, people convince me, oh, I'm never, I never argue with my I had a lady, she said, I never argue with my husband. I, I almost, almost said, lady, you're lying through your teeth. But I didn't. She was an older lady. And the Bible tells me, and you, to treat the older women as mothers. So I wouldn't say it to my mother, so I said nothing. I just bit my tongue. And she was dead. She was, I don't think she was trying to con me. She said, oh, I never, I never, we never argue. I find it hard to believe she was probably in her 80s or 90s. You don't argue with your husband? What planet are you from? Anyway, I said nothing. I treated like my mother said nothing, but I know it's not true. The point is, husbands, if you want your prayers not to be hindered, then don't be arguing and fight with your wife all the time. You know, the Bible says the husbands, not the wives, don't be bitter against them. That means that the man has a tendency to do that, not the wife. Now, there are exceptions. We're talking about conditions to answer prayer. Oh, this, my wife, I'm on her all the time. Don't waste your time praying. Is she perfect? No. By the way, the guy in the mirror is neither you. We're talking about conditions to answer prayer. That's a Bible verse. I didn't make this stuff up. That your prayers be not hindered. I think we all would agree. I don't want my prayers hindered. None of us do. Well, there's one of the conditions. Now, I think i got more to say, but you know what? <clears throat> Let me just say this one. Then we're going to go to lunch. Well, I'm going to go to lunch. I don't know where you're going. Be specific when you pray. There's nothing wrong with saying, God bless all the missionaries. That's not a wrong or bad prayer. Wouldn't it be better to look at the missions letters at the board over here, or here's for the pulpit request, and say, now God bless the youth, Y-O-O-S, in South Korea, that the people that are coming to the church, they had about seven new people coming. This is a while back now. They could be saved. What's wrong with that? You follow me? Be specific. I find that the Bible teaches in real life, when you pray specific prayers, you get specific answers. And don't do this one. God, forgive me of all my sins. I've heard that all my life. I'm thinking, what are you, an idiot? Listen, we don't commit them in, in bunches. We don't need to ask forgiveness in bunches. Say, oh, God, I shouldn't have lied. I was wrong. Ooh, that's kind of convicting. And Forgive me. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done it. God, forgive me. Confess and he'll forgive it. So, don't, so be specific. Whether it's a sin you need to confess or if it's something you're praying about. Do you remember a guy in the Bible? I said I was going to stop. I promise after this illustration. Remember the guy in the Bible who came to his friend at night and said he needed some food? He had somebody come to the house and want something to eat. Remember what he asked for? Three loaves. Go back and read it. He didn't say, I need, some, I need some bread because I got people. My in-laws showed up and I don't know what to do. And I got to feed them something. Could you give me some food? He said, I need three loaves of bread. And guess what? The guy gave him three loaves of bread. Now, I don't know if he prayed about it before he went over there or not. But the fact is, he asked for three loaves. He got three loaves. You pray for what you get specifically. 
And so we need to keep that in mind. Let's stay in place with our heads bowed and our eyes closed for a few minutes. Conditions to prayer. If we would remember these and, and do these things, it would help us in our prayers to be more effective. Father, speak to every heart. Those in the auditorium, those who are watching, listening at home. Lord, we would all have the goal and desire to have a better prayer life. To have a more successful prayer life. Help us in these few thoughts this morning and maybe some more that we might be effective in our prayer. We do pray for that one or more who may need to prayer, pray the prayer of salvation, receive Christ as Savior, speak to their heart. We know that's the beginning of answered prayer from you and that you will always answer that if you call, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Speak to every heart, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, come while we wait just a moment. there's a problem you're praying about keep on praying keep trusting the Lord maybe somebody you're praying about whatever it is while we wait just a moment conditions to prayer if then if we do these things then God will hear answer our prayer the song is I must tell Jesus that's the one we need to talk to while we wait just a moment Thank you.